Good morning, brethren. In chapters 1 through 3 of uh, Paul's letter to the Ephesians, he, he writes of the truths of the gospel yes. that he's been teaching. And then in chapter 4, he begins with a number of exhortations to the believers uh, based on these truths. So in this, we can see the wisdom of the Holy Spirit uh, as exhortation with application to life can only be received after the gospel foundation has been received first. So this morning we will look at Paul's urging that the Ephesians lead a life endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace in this verse concern the manner of Christian living necessary for right relationship one with another in the body of Christ. The Spirit Paul refers to is the same Holy Spirit that enlivens Christians to eternal life. Paul had just exhorted the Ephesians to walk with lowliness and meekness, forbearing one another in love. Now he urges his Christian brothers in Ephesus to make every effort to keep or observe the unity of the Spirit. Now this unity is of God and is with all, all things from God. It has existed before the foundation of the world and brings himself glory. Now the Old Covenant Scriptures contain uh, accounts that point to the unity of the Spirit in types and shadows. We remember the account of the Israelites as they went up to do battle against the children of Benjamin in response to the men of Gibeah's vile crimes against a certain Levite's concubine. The crimes and the Levite's subsequent despicable actions caused such outrage that all the children of Israel went out and the congregation was gathered together as one man from Dan even to Beersheba with the land of Gilead unto the Lord in Mizpeh to confer. And the chief of all the people presented themselves in the assembly of the people of God, 400,000 footmen that drew the sword. Now upon hearing the Levite's testimony of the account, though, though it was actually but half the truth, uh, the Israelites determined to make Gibeah repay the abomination and outrage it had committed. And all the people arose as one man, saying, We will not any of us go to his tent, neither will we any of us turn into his house. And the 400,000 men of war were gathered against Gibeah, knit, knit together as, yes. as one man. Now, Nehemiah's account of the Judeans rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem provide another figure of the unity of the Spirit in the days before uh, Jesus Christ's enthronement in heaven. After Nehemiah's helpers rebuilt the gates and partially rebuilt the walls, his many adversaries tried to prevent the people from com completing the rest of the walls. Mm -hmm. But God frustrated the enemy's attempts. Amen. And it came to pass from that time forth that the half of Nehemiah's servants wrought in the work and the other half of them held both the spears and the shields and the bows and the habergeons. And the rulers were behind all the house of Judah. They which builded on the wall and they that bear burdens with those that laid it. Every one with one of his hands wrought in the work. All Nehemiah's helpers labored in one spirit in all the work necessary to complete the repairs to the walls of the city of God. And King David wrote, Behold, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Yes, now in the new covenant, God has given the unity of the Spirit 
to all who believe on his son, Jesus Christ. It is an eternally active grace ministered by the Holy Spirit who indwells all who have received his son as Lord and Savior. Brethren, when we were made free from the law of sin and death, we were placed into Christ's body, the church, of which he is the head. We no longer live independently as one of God's children, and we do not enter heaven on our own, but as a member of the body of Jesus Christ. As all true believers are, being many, one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. This requires that we conduct our lives in a particular unity. The unity of the Spirit that is common to them that have obtained like precious faith is a necessary grace. It's given that believers individually and corporately might avoid discord and be equipped for the work of the church and to be victorious against competing influences mm -hmm. and the evil that is in the world and to do great undertaking in God's name for his kingdom. The Spirit ministers unity. The members of the body might discern their fit in the whole through the ministry of that unity. In the assembly, the effects of the unity of the Spirit are made manifest in a measure that accords with the individual's members' diligence in keeping it. And Christ will not take his bride, the church, unless it is spotless. In view of this reality, the unity of the Spirit in each believer is in order for the greater purpose that there be perfect unity in the Spirit in Christ's bride. There must be unity of the Spirit in all believers that Christ's bride would remain without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish for when he returns to claim her. Believers do not create the unity of the Spirit, yeah. but are to preserve that which was already established and they will put forth the diligence required according to the measure of their faith. As every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. However, without an awareness of the reality of the unity of the Spirit produced in the hearts and minds of Christians, such are at a disadvantage when those things that are associated with this blessed provision are known and appropriated, the believer may keep it. Other translations use eager to maintain it and striving to, uh, to keep it, and we grow by it and thus give increase to the whole body of Christ. The words of Paul's exhortation suggest to us that the unity of the Spirit is of great worth, of such value and importance that it appeals for Christians to endeavor or make diligent effort to keep it. There being many things which through the, the devices of Satan and the corruptions of men's hearts frequently arise and come upon our observance of this unity. But though it may appear to be difficult, the saints are exhorted to be knowledgeable in the use of means to keep the unity of the Spirit Amen. and continue it by grace. The unity of the Spirit, which Paul speaks of, then has to do with the spiritual union that is between God and his people, be between Christ and his members, and between saints and saints. The saints are united under one head and are members of one and the same body, and purpose to demonstrate a uniformity of mind and judgment, hold to a uniformity of doctrine and of worship, and be of one accord, heart and 
affection, and behavior. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. And there is one body and one spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all, and through all, and in you all. This unity is not a reference to the manner of believers holding common interests or pursuits and things pertaining to the world. The higher purpose of the unity of the Spirit is to advance God's salvation by preparing the body, by preparing its members. And it implies agreement in all things having to do with the truth. Now those endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit that Paul indicates is individually entrusted to each one, cannot do so through their own strength or efforts. The required grace for help for the work are supplied by God through faith, and the unity of the Spirit will be kept, and its outworkings made manifest in those who live in the Spirit and walk in the Spirit, mm-hmm. and who, those who purpose to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. Amen. Keeping the unity of the Spirit calls for holy living, according with the Holy Spirit's leading, and in a manner which maintains agreement among the brethren, avoids discord and strife, and increases all the saints of God and the church. The man who endeavors to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace heeds Jesus' words, If you love me, keep my commandments. So in Christ we are created anew. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Believers have been given a new heart, a new spirit, and a mind that the Holy Spirit is renewing day by day. Our life has changed. Things of the flesh no longer hold our affections, nor have prominence in our minds, as they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. And the Christian sets his affection on things above, not on things on the earth. The true follower of Christ now desires, because of an abiding love of God and Jesus Christ, to live this way. And he is able to do so through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, whatever the Holy Spirit exhorts us to do, we desire it and we enter into it with gladness. For now we walk in the Spirit. And through him we allow ourselves to be led by the Lord Jesus Christ. It requires denying our own selfish desires. The true Christian does not seek complete obedience to his own will or fulfill his own desires or ambitions or goals or seek glory for himself or give glory to other men. These are all of the flesh which we subdue and its desires which we flee from. As we sojourn as strangers, and pilgrims in this earth, let us walk in the spirit, keeping under our body, and ordering our lives in a manner that consistently denies the flesh. And God will supply the necessary grace to strengthen each believer in their endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit. Now when considering the keeping of the unity of the spirit, the finished work is unto the glory of the body of Christ. And the great emphasis must be on the church. The unity of the spirit in the members of the body is essential to the life of the church. Later in his letter to the Ephesians, 
Paul wrote, speaking the truth in love, may grow up into him all in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fit, uh, body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Now the unity in the spirit then provokes each saint to give and to receive one to another constant encouragement to build up each in the most holy faith unto edification and love as members of the body of Christ. Where unity of the spirit has not been kept, Satan will seize opportunity to make an entrance with efforts to divide the body of Christ by coming against the faith of the believers and attempting to blemish Christ's church. In Paul's letter to the Christians in Philippi, he wrote, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Here, conversation refers to the manner of living, which is witnessed also by those around them, Outside their church assemblies, Paul exhorts the Philippian believers to live with each other in a manner that comports with the teaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ that they had previously received from him. This is needful that their endeavors to keep the unity of the Spirit might be made effectual. Similarly to Timothy in Ephesus, Paul wrote, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity, that by so doing, Timothy might effectually preserve the unity of the spirit committed to him. No one has said this is easy, and God has designed it to be this way. But Jesus Christ is sitting at the right hand of the throne of God in heaven, and we come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Yes, and he ever liveth to make intercession for us in any area of help we need to, in our walk of faith. And now in Christ, we have been given all provision to be successful in our endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit. Amen. Now finally, our text in Ephesians uh, chapter 4, verse 3, links the bond of peace yes. with the unity of the Spirit. And in his many letters and epistles, Paul often exhorts believers to live out the spiritual reality of being joined together with Christ, and by this, with one another. Brethren, we have read God is the God of peace, Christ is the Prince of peace, and the Lord of peace, the gospel is the gospel of peace. Christ, uh, and the prophet wrote, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, upon Jesus Christ. That is the servant, as he accepted and endured extreme punishment on behalf of men to obtain our peace. Jesus told his disciples that though all would desert him, he would not be alone, because the Father is with me, and he said that in ye, in me ye might have peace. Not speaking of a pleasant and trouble-free life in the earth, but that they might, by continuing to believe on him, have peace with God. Yes. 
Now, Jesus, by his death and sacrifice, has brought men back into fellowship with God. We know these things. All were once without Christ, separated from God. But now, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were afar off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace, who hath made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments containing ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace. Christ not only made peace, he is in his death now the believer's peace, explicitly our peace with God, the result of being that all believers might be eternally reunited in fellowship with him. Amen. So the word bond of peace appear nowhere else in the King James Version of the Bible, and it may be supposed that this is a particular kingdom significance that Paul desired to impart in his thought that focuses on unity. Paul does not go on to explain the details of the bond of peace, and it may be supposed that his readers knew of it. It may be seen here to be a figure of the totality of the means by which the virtues of all Christian living are given. Jesus said, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. Amen. To the Corinthians, Paul wrote, He that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. And Jesus prayed these words in the garden the night he was betrayed into the hands of sinners, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, Amen. and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. It may be seen the bond of peace is a reference to the kingdom reality that all believers are bound, that is, united or joined, together with Jesus Christ himself. Amen. Without this connection, there is no Christian life. Amen. And the bond of peace is the spiritual location wherein the unity of the Spirit exists, Amen. where it has always existed and be, uh, will ever exist because Jesus Christ lives forever. The bond of peace is the overarching grace into which all believers have now been called. Paul's words, the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace in Ephesians 4, verse 3, are then a reference to the what and the where of the unity. The believer is not to understand his endeavors are required to ensure the unity of the Spirit remains in the bond of peace. The Christian endeavors to keep in himself the unity of the Spirit that God, by the death of his Son, has given every believer. It is the unity of the Spirit which exists in the bond of peace, even our union with Jesus Christ as a part of God's salvation to which each member of the body of Christ applies his endeavors, that each might in himself keep the unity of the Spirit to the end that the church, the bride of Christ, would be without blemish. Yes. Brothers and sisters, our peace is Jesus Christ, who, when we believed on him, established in us the bond of peace, and who in this bond supplies the unity of the Spirit in us and makes all provision available for the Christian to be victorious 
in his endeavors to keep it. Praise be to God for this blessed reality. Amen. Thank you, Brother Marty. Very thorough. It's the tendency of the flesh to unite things that God has separated and to separate things that God has united. Have you, have you seen that? <clears throat> this is my exhortation. Just as Paul's exhortation, he said, I beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. See, all of these things that Brother Marty has taught about today, all of these things are they're, they're what is entailed in walking worthy of your calling. See, there's, there really is only one body. There really is only one spirit. There's only one hope of our calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. See, when these things are comprehended and understood, it's like the death nail of the denominationalism. Amen. There's there's only one truth. There's only one way things really are. And this endeavoring extend yourself to do this. You have to you have to obtain resources from God and you have to extend yourself. It says endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and then the bond of peace. As brother Marty was was saying this, I was thought that this is Satan's like ultimate strategy to try and get the church to be divided. To be divided over things that, that really aren't... There, there are line, today there are actually lines of demarcation that men have drawn that God have not drawn. It's where you can have a church that can teach you that you can be married to the world and married to Christ at the same time and then like reject your brethren because they wear jeans. Like things like that, you know. This is endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and in the bond of peace and it it's not like we're manu we're manufacturing unity there is unity it's in christ there's one place keep yourselves in the love of god and that that's my exhortation to you today does does anybody have anything to add to yes brother yes that, um, that bond of peace of that word that means a joint tie that is a ligament and you know you your hand wouldn't be very profitable to you if you cut all the ligaments to it you wouldn't be able to use it it would be there be like an appendage but you wouldn't bring you any any benefit see the, the the people of god if they're at peace with one another they will be able to add to one another build yes. one another up in their most holy faith this um this is an absolute essential thing you know, Without it, well, there really is no reason to gather together. If you're going to just gather together to argue, there's not going to be a benefit. But see, this God's put us in a body that is functional. It, 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 God has put in the body specific gifts so that we might be built up Amen. together in our most holy faith. Amen. I, I, I really appreciated this message that uh, Brother Marty had brought to us today. Amen. Yes, Why amen. does God despise those who sow discord mm -hmm. among the brethren? Because it disrupts the unity. Yeah. It disrupts the peace. It disrupts the unity. Yeah, amen. 
Amen. Brother Gibbon. Yes, uh, I commend Brother Marty for his, Amen. For his word. It was an insightful word. Yes. And uh, it is to be taken seriously, of course. God takes it seriously. And God's, God's against those. God hates the person that so seeds the discord. Yes. Amen. And he's went on record saying this. Amen. Uh -huh. But he loves those who maintain unity in the bond of peace. Amen. This draws the attention of heaven. And there's no end to what can be done mm -hmm. by such a people. Amen. It's, it's, this doesn't mean that we don't like confront like unrepentant sin in the assembly and stuff like that. It means that we're we're not quick to examine one another's motives. We're we're quick to assume the best of our brethren. We're we're we're, we're we this is this is this endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit is something that it's like an it's like an act of charity towards one another. If you if you can see that. Amen. And it's it's is two ways. Mm -hmm. We don't look at one another to judge them, and we don't live so that it's easy to judge us. Yeah. Right. Amen. So the unity of the Spirit really does bring us together. It really does. Amen. Amen. Mm -hmm. Amen. When Paul, when he was, when he was mindful, when he said, "If it." If it offends someone that I should eat meat, I'll never eat meat. What was he doing? He was endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit mm -hmm. and the bond of peace. Amen. Amen. Sister Anita has our song for